This is a Federal News Network podcast. Federal News Network's open season hotline. Today's question, I want to keep my dental practice, but it's out of network. Does the Fed VIP have options for using out-of-network dentists, or should I self-insure and stick with this dentist? The answer, it varies by plan, so you need to contact your plan's carrier for specific questions about covered and out-of-network providers. Consider a flexible spending account, which lets you set aside pre-tax money to pay for certain non-covered health expenses, including out-of-network services. Check out our Open Season Hotline. Head over to federalnewsnetwork.com and search Open Season Hotline. You can post a question there or call 844-305-1500. That's 844-305-1500. Send us your questions. We'll read the answers daily at 7 past the hour here on The Federal Drive. It's been six months since President Joe Biden signed a sprawling executive order on cybersecurity. Agencies have received a fire hose of new guidance and standards since then. Now a top White House cyber official says it's time to start executing on the plans. For more, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And Justin, you're reporting the government has entered a new phase in the EO implementation. What does that all mean? Right. Well, so the executive order came out in May. And and since then, uh, as you mentioned, we've gotten a lot of guidance from, you know, the National Institute of Standards and Technology has published a definition of critical software that agencies have to adhere to. You know, in August, the White House directed agencies to identify all of that critical software on their networks. And, and those plans are, uh, are that identification was due in October. And the Office of Management and Budget also released a draft federal zero trust strategy. Agencies had until earlier this month to submit a plan for implementing that on their networks. But the theme there, and that's just uh, the tip of the iceberg, is that there's been a lot of uh, you know planning done over the last six months, but not an actual action. Well, now, Federal Chief Information Security Officer Krista uh, Rusha said that the government's kind of entering this execution phase of the EO. He, he spoke at a conference hosted by Palo Alto Networks last week. I think the real thing now is we've, we've got a lot of the policy direction set, implementation plans in place, and now it's just execution. And so we're really shifting into that phase of how do we ensure that agencies are resourced to achieve these ambitious goals and how do we help them along the way using all of our, our tools here at the White House. And that's Chris DeRusha. And Justin, what can we expect to see now as part of this new execution phase? The Office of Management and Budget is finalizing that zero trust strategy I mentioned earlier. And it's also developing new FISMA guidance for 2022 that uh, agencies will have to adhere to. And, and DeRusha said that, you know, identifying what assets agencies have in their networks and then ensuring that they can detect vulnerabilities on those networks are going to be key things that agencies have to do under, you know, both of those those pieces of guidance in, in the coming months. Of course, OMB is, is also involved in developing the cyber budgets that federal civilian agencies have to use to actually implement these plans. And he said he's focused on how OMB can ensure there's remediation assistance for agencies to actually address those vulnerabilities. Here's him talking a little bit more about that assistance. To do this well, they have a complete model. We also have to be thinking about the remediation assistance as we do the identification and discovery. I don't think it's fair to continue to have a model where security teams discover things, dump them on the laps and say, now my job is done and I'm going to track your progress. And that is all I do here. We, we've really got to 
think about the creation of these programs in aggregate and all the way through to, to how do we get a successful outcome? And that means oftentimes ensuring a plan is in place to give that remediation assistance along the way. Again, Federal Chief Information Security Officer Chris Darusha. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And Justin, in order to get better at cybersecurity, as we've heard so many times, you need that workforce with good expertise. What is OMB considering on the talent side of all of this? Darusha pointed out it's not just the federal government that's experiencing a cyber skills gap that's happening in companies and other organizations across the country and, and across the world. So some of these new security frameworks, uh, Zero Trust obviously is the big one that the government is moving towards. There's only a handful of organizations in the, in the world that have actually implemented that, uh, you know, companies like Google that have real deep expertise on the security front. It's something that Darusha said he, he wants to ensure agencies have a good talent pipeline coming in from universities, from the private sector, that they're investing in training and skills developments to help shift to some of these new architectures under the executive order. But also at OMB, he said he's actively exploring the idea of establishing something like the U.S. digital service, but for cybersecurity. And the digital services was, of course, established under the Obama administration as sort of an elite technology unit at the White House. They bring in talented people from the private sector and do short tours of duty to work on some hard technology problems in government. Jerusha said a similar model could apply for cybersecurity. I don't think it needs to be exactly the same as what we see on the USDS side, but they've learned a lot and they've got a really good model in place where they get lots of high-scale technical talent to come do tour of duty and tour of service. I think that's the thing that we want to tap into is what model should we create on this side to get that same spirit of interest in serving? And then how do we effectively deploy that in a way that is needed and useful? Chief Information Security Officer Chris Darusha talking about building out a digital service type model, but for cybersecurity. He also said he doesn't want to make any assumptions about what kind of talent agencies need. So as OMB builds out a program like that or, or just ta discussing talent in general, he said they're going to go to agencies to ask what exactly they need from a cyber workforce perspective before they, they build anything. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. And during his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. 
uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship 
uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.